1: Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Maria Brito. Maria is an award-winning New York-based contemporary art advisor, Author and curator. A Harvard graduate, originally from Venezuela, Brito has been selected by Complex Magazine as one of the 20 power players in the art world. She was named by Art News as one of the visionaries who gets to shape the art world. And she's the author of How Creativity Rules the World, which is going to be released March 15th, 2022 by HarperCollins. So welcome to the show, Marie. I'm so excited to have you here.
2: Hi, Angel. I'm so excited to be here with you and all the super brilliant, smart women who are listening. Hello to you all. I honor you for being here today. All right.
1: Well, beautiful lady, let us start our conversation with a little bit of a backstory on you. I am curious, were you the little girl who was making art in the corner when everybody else was doing something else? Or were you the little girl who was going to museums and observing and discerning with the art that you saw or some combination of
2: both? I was a combination of both because I had an artistic vein and I wanted to express myself painting and writing and singing and performing. And I also loved going to a museum, a gallery, a play, anything that allowed my imagination to grow and expand was I was you know, game. So I was always looking for storytelling, not only my own storytelling, but also find narratives in art, in artists, because my parents also took me to visit artist studios. So that was like, wow, this is a lab, fascinating. So that was me as a little girl. And as a teenager, it was a little rougher to be a professional singer and performer. And my mother opposed that vehemently. So I you know, I had to give up on my dreams because I did not have many options. The truth is in the sense of, I grew up in Venezuela, so I couldn't just say I'm leaving and I'm going to wait tables and like those options really were not available to me. So I sold out on my dreams because I was very young and I didn't really fully know who I was. And I went to law school. And that is something that it's not that I regret a lot or at all, to be honest with you, but I took a very strange path to where I am today. And it was because I had been convinced by my parents that I needed to pursue a very dependable career and obviously a singer an artist that was not. And I went to law school and I graduated. I moved to New York and I practiced corporate law for nine years. And I hated it with all my might. Like most attorneys end up hating it. And so I decided 13 years ago to follow my bliss and desires. And I opened this company that has given me the greatest satisfactions professionally and personally too. And I've been able to do the impossible really with this business coming from, you know, the left field, really complete outsider. And, you know, I'm the proof that you can really utilize all that you have to be creative and to be innovative and to differentiate yourself from everybody else. And that, you know, there is a formula for creativity, which is what I want to bring to whomever is listening today that, Creativity is not just for artists, but although I've learned a lot from them, thank God, Mm -hmm. it is creativity, something that all of us possess and that we should utilize it to build our businesses, build our brands, build our names, differentiate ourselves from the competitors, and ultimately is for personal fulfillment. And it doesn't matter if you're a dentist, a coach a business owner, you really need it, especially now where we have been in this situation with a pandemic for two years, and we need to figure out how to do the things that we used to do in app pre-pandemic world and we have to adjust and pivot and all those things are part of being creative.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Well, Maria, there's so much there that I want to just really underscore and highlight for our listeners. I'm curious about going down a number of different paths, but one of the things that I I heard initially in there was that you said to us that you sold out on your dreams and so but somehow the dream came back. Somehow the dream came back in a new form. And what's interesting to me is I'd love to hear internally what happened for you when you suppressed the dream and then what happened that actually incubated and germinated the dream so that it came out in another way
2: yeah well obviously it was very devastating for me to say I can't do this that I am good at and that people came with offers and touring bands and whatnot right like anybody starts at that level and uh, it was devastating but when I found that I was going to have such a Big battle with my parents. It just didn't make much sense to me again because I I couldn't say, and by the way, I'm leaving, and I'm, you know, so if I would have been in a country like this one, then that would have been possible. So I was devastating. And what I did is the following: I said, okay, this is not gonna happen for me for a reason. And if whether that reason is my parents or whatever. I'm going to accept it for the time being and I am going to be an extraordinary student and I'm going to be the best that I can so that I can move countries and so that I can go somewhere else to have a better life. And that is what I did. And for the time that I went to, you know, the college and law school and all the things, what I did was that I numb myself with homework and studies and friends and whatever. I mean, it wasn't that terrible, honestly. It wasn't terrible at all. I was just preoccupied with all the things that, you know, a person who's young and uh, wants to succeed and has believed already the story that to succeed, you need to follow this type of path that is predictable and that supposedly it will bring safety. So I did that. And, um, I think that the time when the dream came back, it was because I had already gotten maturity enough to know that I was not enjoying at all being an attorney. That was not for me. When I had already had three different jobs in three different law firms, I knew that the problem was not the law firms. The problem, you know, it was the problem was me Mm -hmm. because I did not fit. I did not feel good. I did not have my superpowers were not really activated. And I had for a long time thought about what was going to be my exit and where I was going to go. And, you know, when you actually decide that you're going to transition into something else, you start like baby steps, right? And so first it was like asking people, then potentially having, you know, a couple of interviews in different places that I was just testing to see what was out there and then, you know, kind of tinkering with the idea that I could be my own boss and open a company in a very different field because I knew I was not going to be again in the whole thing of corporate America. And so after taking all these different steps, getting to know people, talking to people and you know, taking like my own personal inventory, you know, I got pregnant and I said to myself, you know, I was, I I was married and I, and I said to myself, if I have a child and I show this child that I hate my job, which actually consumes my life too, because I mean, being an attorney in New York city is no joke. And I model my life, you know, in a way that he will see me Not happy, not thriving, even if I make money, you know, that means really nothing. I am going to really do the same thing that my parents did to me, but in a different way. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that for him and I don't want that for my family. And I have a responsibility with my own self to be happy and to utilize my talents in a different way. And I think it was one of the scariest things I've done in my life to to say no to all that safety and the, the law firm job and all the money and the 401k, and the insurance and all the beautiful perks that are really just like not such things. They are just things that enslave people. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I am not going to do this anymore. And I just jumped. And it's been 13 years, the best 13 years of my life since Fantastic. I left.
1: Since you left. All right. So a couple things I want to also highlight here is what I heard there is initially, because you didn't have power, you did not feel like you had a choice. The first step you did was accept what was mm-hmm. right. You yeah. really accepted what was. And you also made some decisions that brought you into the U.S., that brought you into the law field you are self-aware now that you numbed yourself with study. And so I I do want to, you know, just mention that to our listeners that it might be valuable for you to take that fierce self-inventory and see where are you numbing yourself? Some of us numb ourselves with drugs or alcohol. Some of us numb ourselves with sex. Some of us numb ourselves with workaholism. And so it's important to like, because especially in a culture, and certainly New New York lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. Where how much you can work is highly prized. It's really important to discern whether or not you're numbing yourself out there. What I also loved was that you said that you knew that the problem was you after Mm -hmm. trying three different uh, law firm so that's another thread that i'm going to encourage our listeners to to listen to like are you having the S, what i call the ss dd same stuff different day you know mm-hmm. you're you're still feeling the same way even though you've changed your situation then you do know that the problem is you so we are going to take a short break now but when we come back from the break we're going to talk a little bit more about your company exactly what it is that you do and we definitely want to hear more about your your book, and the formula that you have uncovered for creativity. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help if you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air. Please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. I just also want to mention that I've recently been selected to be on a blue ribbon panel of judges judging for the AMBI Awards. So that's been fun. And I also recently took over on Podcast Magazine as the Society and Culture Director after two years being the Arts Category Director. So we're having a few little celebrations here. I do want to say thank you to our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. And there it is. I knew Venezuela was on here. (laughs) So we want to shout out this week to our listeners in Venezuela. We also just added another country. We're now in 95 countries. And I also want to shout out to our listeners in Greece. And we will be right back with Maria Crito. And we are back with Maria Brito. Before we went to the break, we talked about how she had to make decisions. And decisions are one of the things that I've heard from every one of our guests. Every one of our guests has made powerful decisions. And so, you know, I want you listeners to know that you do have the power to make decisions. So we want to let you know where you can find out more about Maria and especially to access her new book, how creativity rules the world. You can go to MariaBrito.com. We will have that link for you in the show notes. So I am really excited now, Maria, to hear about the genesis of this company Mm -hmm. and what exactly does an art advisor and curator do? And did you kind of make this up out of thin air or is that like a field that people choose to go into?
2: I love that question. When I was telling you that as a child, I loved visiting artists and artist studios and museums and galleries. It was also my parents thought it was a very important part of a meditation, right? Like they wanted me to have these things, but as a hobby or as someone who can have a conversation at a dinner party, right? But it, it really invited me to get into the minds and the stories of these artists. So it was a fascinating way to exit my own reality through mostly visual art. And when I moved to New York in year 2000, I started going to galleries in museums because there is no better place really. Mm -hmm. And, uh, connecting sometimes with artists and sometimes with curators and sometimes with artists. And so I found the whole thing fascinating. But of course, I wasn't really just yet ready to jump into that. And with time, I started paying attention to people who were art advisors. And so go back to the question, what does an art advisor do? An art advisor is the eyes and ears of collectors who want to buy art, whether it is for financial investment or, for the most part, to live with it and build collections that, you know, are fantastic and they hang in their homes, multiple homes and whatever, right? That is just one of the aspects of my business. But just to go back, I started paying attention when I went to the art fairs and like to the galleries. To people who were ad advisors, and I noticed that they were very transactional. That the relationship they had with their clients was not warm enough to say, "Well, you know what? These people are actually invested in their relationship, in educating, in you know making this." fun and interesting with passion. It was very dry. And I also noticed that none of those people were utilizing the very new forms of social media like Facebook and Twitter. There was no Instagram. YouTube was not there. And they did not want to get a little bit more out of the business. So I thought those were blind spots that were up for grabs. Like if I wanted to do something, I was going to for sure, utilize all those things to get myself be seen. And also because I, you know, I did two crazy things. One is I open a business. And the second crazy thing I did is like I I've opened a business that I needed to learn what it was about. You know, and this is insane if you think about it. So seeing that there was something missing in the marketplace, I said, I'm going to do this in a way that I'm going to fully educate not only my clients, but a general audience. And I'm going to make this very fun and warm. And I'm going to go into people's homes and I'm going to curate and I'm going to rotate and I'm going to create environments around art. So this struck a chord because people started coming and media started asking questions and things started sort of like happening because I was able to differentiate myself. And that was happening because I was creative enough to pay attention to the needs of the market, to pay attention to the advances in technology and to combine those things for the benefit of me and the business. So... That was the genesis of it. And ever since, I've had to change many, many things in my business because you evolve, the business evolves, the marketplace changes. And so I also have now a consulting division where I help companies to work with innovation and creativity because they came after me since I had such a knowledge of how artists work and how the art world works. And so they wanted me to translate that for Corporate Minds because I had both backgrounds and Mm -hmm. they thought it was so interesting. So now that's one part of the business. And sometimes also, I curate exhibitions around the world because people say you do have this experience. And I think it's so interesting that you can bring this, you know, eye and this take on how you see things and exhibit in like Greece. And I've done another one in Lebanon. And, you know, so I think that I have been able to get this much fulfillment because I'm extremely flexible too in how I see things. And I'm also very grounded in the present, but Mm. with a foot in the future, because otherwise, if you're too ahead, it's really hard, Mm. which a lot of us are very much ahead Mm. of our times. But Mm -hmm. if you can't not express that in the present, Mm. you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. So I hope that I made sense of what I do and and how it's like the genesis of the business. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, I think the piece that I really want to highlight here is that Your journey actually, very similar to my journey. So I spent 20 years in the real estate business, right? My last project was 51 single family houses, 56 apartments, and an office building. Very grounded, very left-brained, very like I was in charge of the money, And then I had a spiritual awakening and ended up opening up my own art gallery and healing art center. And, you know, like latent parts of myself that I didn't even know were there. The artist came out, the author came out, and then ultimately I needed to blend the two together. And I think that you represent... Like many of the wickedly smart women who are listening and also have been guests here, you are representing once again how valuable it is to have the marriage, right? Between the practical, left brained, you know, in your case, it was law and into art, and then the creative, future, visionary driven minds be in some kind of marriage. So we have a few minutes left. I want to hear about your book because I love the book title, How Creativity Rules the World. And I actually believe we're at the start of what I like to call the creative age. So Mm -hmm. here we are at the beginning of the creative age. How is creativity ruling the world? Why don't you tell us what is in the book in terms of your formula for creativity?
2: Yes, it continues to be obviously a very, very special project to me because it came out From the, when the companies hired me to teach their executives, you know, I put together these workshops and the results were so amazing because for the first time they started seeing things that they were missing because they had a different perspective that they had not considered before. And that actually prompted me to create a class online for people who were not in big companies. And the people who came to the class online had very similar results, like really big breakthroughs. They shifted careers, they opened businesses, they boosted their revenues. And it was all because this is about ideas that can actually be put into practice and and become reality, right? Like, I mean, we can have ideas, but if we don't know how to implement them in real life, it doesn't really matter. So I said, well, if this has this fantastic returns on people, could I actually make it into a book and get deeper, right? Because you learn in different styles, but once you have a book, it's a very, very different type of experience. And I did. And so this is... My culmination really of 13 years of observations in both the world of business and art. And I set out to demystify everything that surrounds creativity, right? Like people think it's just for artists, or people think that they are born with it. And that's not true. Creativity is an amalgamation of skills and actions that we take every day to nourish our mind and our observations of the world so that we can implement, right? And so the formula is basically for me and for the people who have been successful in the course to take all these habits and hone them daily. And it includes the ability to take risks, the ability to express your ideas with authenticity, the ability to pay attention to what's happening outside of your business. Because this is one thing, people become super experts in one area, and that's not a problem. Obviously, you need to know what you need to know. But because of that, they get so entrenched in their ways that they miss everything else where the opportunities are flourishing. It's not things that are obvious in your business. The opportunities are constantly happening in the intersections. And I say constantly because they are happening right now. They happened yesterday. They ha- they, they are happening everywhere. But people do not pay attention. So I teach in the book how to pay attention, how to find the margins, how to hold your ability to take more risks. It's not about jumping without a parachute. It is about doing daily things that actually increase your appetite because nothing wonderful, greatness, does not come from business as usual. Mm -hmm. Greatness comes from your willingness to do what has not been done. And I wanted to have a formula for this and I wanted the book to be highly actionable and practical. So at the end of each chapter, there is a series of exercises that tie in the content of the chapter with what anyone can do to hone in and to increase that particular habit or skill. And I was very careful to add into almost every chapter there is a little piece of data that actually backs up what I'm trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of our you know, readers are like, but I want the research, right? I mean, I look, this took so much research because not only is all connected with history and with entrepreneurship and with past, because we want to look at the past mm-hmm. to confirm that if it worked before, it works now. These habits work, right? Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to add data Because a lot of people are like, but how is this provable? I mean, Mm. you know, so I, you know, did an enormous amount of research to find the data that is backing up by scientists and by researchers and psychologists, how all these habits actually promote creativity. But they Mm. also have, you know, they are so small. And I think that people underestimate that complexity is the enemy of execution. And so mm. I, I just move far away from complexity and I make things really straightforward so that people can integrate those things in their lives without having to have, you know, a 50 million, <laughs> all you know, things in their brain that are like, oh, I can't do this. Right. right. So I, I wanted this to be easy and to be achievable and to be measurable. And that is, first of all, I think creativity rules the world because it's all about the ideas that people have.
1: Beautiful. All right. Well, Maria, thank you. I really am grateful that you were able to come on the show today. I'm really grateful that you've written this book, How Creativity Rules the World. Can't wait to get a copy of it myself and to celebrate you even further. And I want to say to our listeners, please make sure that you go ahead to MariaBrito.com and find out more about her and get access to this book. And if you are somebody in a corporate environment who could bring her in with uh, her workshop to your corporate environment to expand the minds of your team and help them to see the opportunities in the intersections, then I highly recommend you get in touch with her right away. (laughs) Listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember you are a wonderful woman.
0: Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.